Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the 85th episode, and I am here after a few more car launches. But of course, we are also one week closer to lights out and away we go in Bahrain. And I cannot wait for the season to start. It's going to be a good one in 2024, as I've been saying. On this episode, though, we're going to review the launches of Alpine, uh, Wish.com, Red Bull, as I like to call them, and then Aston Martin that uh, actually launched today. I'm recording this on a Monday, so fresh reaction there. After that, we're going to get into some news circulating the F1 world and then go into the final segment. It's 2025 predictions. We got a hell of a uh, silly season in store for us, so I think it's going to be uh, a fun episode there as well. But before we get to that, first, a quick reminder to check out the link tree in the description. It has links to all the platforms you can find this podcast and the ways you can contact me. Now, let's get into it with deliveries. Oh, Alpine, the team that I probably like to make fun of the most. I know the team that we're talking about afterwards, the uh, Wish.com Red Bull, might be the new butt of the joke. Um, but Alpine is just such an easy target. Their launch was a bit of a snooze. They're just, they come across so corporate. I've heard some people saying this was better than last year's. I didn't watch last year's. So to say this was better is still pretty shocking. Um, cause yeah, it was boring. And, uh, when they finally got to the actual formula one part of it and they revealed their first delivery, my initial reaction was, wow, okay, you know, they're really sticking with a lot of black on the car, perhaps even more black than last year. Well, not perhaps way more black than last year. But my second reaction, though, and this might be sort of controversial, is that I kind of liked it. Like, I think it looks cool. Let, let me explain myself, though. I think a lot of the negative reaction around this livery is just the amount of exposed carbon fiber. And it's and it's sort of where we just got a couple cars in a row with a lot of black on it or carbon fiber, I should say, because it appears that some people don't even mind black as long as it's black paint, just not carbon fiber, which, to be honest, I don't see the big difference. But it's the amount of black after we just had a couple black cars that I think has really ticked people off, not to mention it's Alpine. They're an easy team to kind of harp on. They don't have like the best identity. I still think blue and pink is pretty ugly, but I think this is way better than last year's livery. I, I really do. I hated last year's. It was my least favorite on the grid. And don't get me wrong. I, I hear you. I hear the complaints about all the black cars. I would like a colorful grid that is easy to distinguish from one another more than anyone. Don't get me wrong, but this is a step forward from last year's. I'm sorry, just looking at it, I think it looks cool. However, the other part, though, that is that this was a complete shocking move by Alpine was then they decide, oh, you know what? We have our special pink livery, which I loved last year. Taking out the blue, I thought the, the pure pink livery looks great. I just think blue and pink are two awful colors together. I know they have to kind of stick with that because that's their color scheme. Um, I just think it looks pretty trash i'm not gonna lie uh so the the pure pink livery i really liked i was looking forward to this and they got absolutely trolled because it looked the exact same i still don't really know what the difference is between the pink and the blue livery so still they're both black essentially 
and there's tiny little bit of accents that are different like it was so dumb they even used the same uh instrumental to, and like kind of drum roll to to reveal the car and it looked the same and it was just so poorly done and it was it was it was sort of meme worthy so i think alpine sort of shot themselves in the foot and made it even worse but i was shocked to see how many people really hated the livery specifically if you want to get angry about the carbon fiber sure go ahead i hear you but just taking the livery at face value i think if this was the one that was dropped first i don't think people would be nearly as upset as they are i think it looks fine they look good if, if they were also on a, a a grid full of colorful cars i think their livery would smash but at the same time saying it's thought out is a bit disingenuous because it does come across a bit lazy when there's that much exposed carbon fiber on the car at the same time. So I will concede there. I'm not really confident in this team this season. I'm predicting another step back for them, to be honest. Probably not a step back far enough into that bottom four part of the, of the, of the grid performance-wise, but I don't think they're making a step forward. But it was interesting to hear that technical director, Matt Harmon, says that it is a completely brand new car. Um, probably half the grid is going to have brand new cars this year, just with uh, how dominant Red Bull was last season. All the teams are going to be looking at making a switch toward their philosophy. So Alpine's just the first of many, or they're not even the first of many, because Haas is going to do the same. And uh, Sauber just had a big, just had a big overhaul as well. Um, so maybe Alpine's found something. Only time will tell there. Now let's get in to Wish.com Red Bull. No black on this one. This livery made a lot of people happy, and I might have to put the Wish.com Red Bull name to bed. I know I've used it a few times this episode because I already addressed it last episode that I will thereby be calling this team wish.com red bull but i think i might just call them toro rosso because that is what they are they've sort of redeemed themselves in a way toro rosso is a way better name than than wish.com red bull for sure it's just it's still a bit of a joke because this team tried to get away from that identity by going to alpha tower and becoming more of an independent team they've been saying this for years that they want to make that second red bull team more independent more standing on its own and then you know Rest in peace to Dietrich Mateschitz. He passes, and all of a sudden, this team is right back to being Toro Rosso as, as it basically started out. And I feel like a lot of work has gone into it to try to make it independent. I'm not sure it's really worked. I don't know anyone who's a fan of this team unless they're also a fan of Red Bull. So it's it's a bit tricky. I think the fact that Daniel Ricciardo was in the team could have been uh, a way to make it independent because I think he just brings a lot of followers to that team but then they go backwards with this red bull knockoff look and I'm, I'm more criticizing the the name change and the decision to kind of just go back to the red bull junior team because it's just gone against everything that they've worked towards for the past few years um visa cash frb stinks i'm going to be calling them a different name all year just out of spite so toro rosso it is Great livery, disappointing launch. It was a bit weird where they just they didn't film it at all, and then they just dropped the livery, and everyone was like, oh, okay. At least, though, the livery has gone over well. People really like it. I do think it looks pretty sweet. Um, so that's, that's, that's great for them, I guess. Uh, this is one of the more interesting teams on the grid, though, this year. I will say I have a few things I wanted to say about them on the track before I get into predictions next week. 
I think most people are expecting a way better car this year because of their uh, relationship with Red Bull that's going to be increasing and part of the team moving to Milton Keynes and, and whatnot. You know, they ended the year really, really good, probably better than Williams, should have been seventh. They didn't get it. It's going to be a full year for Daniel Ricciardo, another year in Formula One for Yuki Tsunoda, who's really coming into his own. He was probably one of the stars of the midfield last year. They have a lot of forward momentum, but I'm not sure that's going to take them really to the next echelon of teams, which really the next echelon is just Alpine by themselves. If Alpine takes a step back, I think those two teams could maybe be battling it out, but I wouldn't expect this huge step up the grid because there is a pretty huge step to the Aston Martins, McLarens, Ferrari, Mercedes, that, that entire group. That's a pretty big step, and they're not going to be in that territory, I think, unless one of them just completely drops the ball. So now the last launch team is Aston Martin. They're sticking with the green. They're they're really sticking with uh, the same livery as last year, pretty much. They just switched around some sponsors, made some very minor changes. I think on the back of the rear wing, they had all sorts of colorful. They had kind of like a rainbow on there with the Aramco. Now it's just Valvoline. But like that's the differences that I notice. It's really uh, pretty much the same. But their livery went over really well last year. It was probably one of the favorites on the grid. They're sticking with it. They have a clear identity. I think it works. I don't blame them whatsoever. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. The classic saying. And I think it applies here completely. It is sort of a, a Red Bull situation. So I think we're probably going to be seeing the same Aston Martin for a while now. Maybe they'll add a new lime green stripe somewhere one of these times. But the British racing green is iconic, and I think they're nailing it. So why switch it? And, and it is the same with Red Bull. They have a great looking car. You know, I, I'm obviously decked out in Mercedes here, and I'm not a Red Bull fan. I've made that known on this podcast. But the reality is they have a beautiful looking car. That Navy with the Red Bull logo looks awesome. Um, and I understand why it's something that they never change and why a lot of people are fans of the team as well, just because they do have a great looking car. The other thing I kind of wanted to say about Aston Martin, unrelated to their livery, um, was because Alonso was interviewed by F1's Lawrence Barreto. Uh, he actually interviewed Daniel Ricciardo as well. I just don't have that much to share from that interview in terms of my thoughts on, on things. But Alonso said some pretty interesting things, I think. Um, he said that the aim is for podiums and wins this year. So Aston Martin still has their sights set pretty high on, on challenging with the sharper end of the grid. It's also going to be the first year that this team has built their car in the new facility, this new state-of-the-art facility that's been in the work for a long time. So we'll see if uh, that makes a bit of a difference as it's expecting to with McLaren as well. Both those teams with, with new facilities should be catching up to the infrastructure, if not surpassing the infrastructure and in some of the best teams on the grid. That is interesting for Aston Martin, but Alonso also commented on Hamilton's move to Ferrari with a very Fernando sort of comment. He, he kind of called Lewis out for saying it's a dream to drive for Ferrari when he was saying the opposite in the middle of last year. It was always his dream to end his career with Mercedes and they were a family. And now all of a sudden, you know, it's always been a dream to drive for Ferrari, right? So maybe a little bit of uh, gamesmanship from the 42-year-olds. But he also called his current situation very unique with uh, a seat open at Mercedes. He says there are only three world champions on the grid and he's the only one available for 2025. 
he says these things so calmly too. He's never like really looking that feisty, but he'll be like, yeah, you know, uh, just there's only three world champions on the grid and uh, I'm one of them available. I can't do his accent. So that's why I'm talking like that. But it's always so relaxed the way he says these comments. I love it. Fernando is, uh, is a treat to have on the grid. Before I get to the 2025 prediction, some of the news circulating the F1 world, as I teased at the beginning of the episode, is, of course, this ongoing investigation into uh, into actions by Christian Horner, I guess you could say. A, uh, it's rumored that a female, an unknown female member of the team has uh, reported or, or has allegations against Christian Horner of, of some sort of uh, inappropriate misconduct. The details are very scarce right now, so I'm not going to comment on it too much. Um, but the most in-depth reporting, I guess I, you could say, on this topic I've seen is from Sky Sports's Craig Slater, who I also mentioned last episode. I think he does a great job. He doesn't really have much to share either at the moment. He's basically just saying that he's not expecting uh, a result to be coming out of this super fast. Red Bull's taking it very seriously, and this could even get into uh, to preseason testing. I think it's I think it's expected to overlap with the launch of Red Bull this week. Um, but yeah, it could go into preseason testing. I imagine if the investigation is ongoing, Horner is going to be away from the team. Maybe not. Who knows? But yeah, a lot of rumors around this too. I, I don't like all the speculation about how this could be related to a falling out between Horner and Marco or Horner and Jos Verstappen. If it's if it actually is something to do with the Verstappens, that is such a shame. Um, but in the end, as much as I, you know, have expressed my disdain for Red Bull, I do not wish the downfall of Christian Horner. He's a legend of the sport. However, I'm not going to be defending him if uh, some of these allegations are true, whatever they may be, because of course, if he, you know, did engage in inappropriate conduct, then he does deserve to be uh, moved from his post. So uh, that's all I'll say on that matter. Just, um, yeah, I- I'm letting you guys know because he might not be there for the first race of the season. It's possible. We'll uh, wait and see on that front. Now, let's predict who is going to be driving for which team in 2025. So I got it all laid out right now. A few teams are, are going to be boring picks. And I would say the most boring of all is going. it's got to be Ferrari because it's the most locked in guaranteed. It's going to be Hamilton and Leclerc next year. Leclerc just signed a brand new extension. And obviously the, the freshest news in the driver market is that Hamilton will be driving for Ferrari next year as well. So they're super locked in. We, we basically know that for sure. The other one that I think is pretty much a lock, but it's not guaranteed. There could be some sort of shenanigans, but I think it's also pretty safe to say McLaren. It's going to be Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri. I don't see any buyouts coming from any team. It's going to have to cost, you know, any team that wants to buy out Lando Norris an absolute fortune. Um, there could be a mystery clause in his contract, but basically all the communication that's came from Lando Norris's side has been very I'm sticking with McLaren I actually think of anything it would have to be a bad year from from McLaren and then Oscar Piastri looks to go elsewhere I still think that's a long shot though and I think McLaren's going to be pretty good this year so I think Oscar also stays put and uh, yeah I don't really have anything else to add on that one but here is where it gets interesting a team that I actually have staying the same 
But I think that's actually probably more controversial than saying it'll switch because I think pretty much everyone is expecting a switch at this team. I've gone for Red Bull. I think it's going to be Verstappen in Paris again next year. Call me crazy. Of course, Verstappen is a no-brainer. And I don't think many people had Perez in Red Bull's future at all. But with the news that Red Bull wants Alex Albon in the seat in 2026, and Albon is apparently signed with Williams through 25 now, I think they might keep Checo as the stopgap. And I don't think they're going to go for Daniel Ricciardo. I, I just I don't think Ricciardo is going to be good Ju- like just good enough like, he might be i don't think he's gonna be terrible like i think he's probably gonna match sonoda and then if he matches sonoda that's just not gonna be good enough so i think they keep checo just checo does just good enough to stay there for one more year and then they put all their chips in the table on alex albon next year or who knows maybe they know something we don't and maybe lando norris is available then because they didn't talk about the, the the length of his contract so who knows i just think that they might actually stick with Perez for one more year. And then in 2026, when they really can't afford to to have a, a driver potentially letting them down, they'll go for someone new. That's that's what I think. I think that might actually be a bold prediction to stay they're staying uh, to say they're staying the same when pretty much all messaging has been that Perez is likely on the way out. And you know, they've done this whole thing with Ricardo to try and set him up for a seat at Red Bull, I think. Um you know, they have news trying to get Alex Albon. They've been rumored to want Lando Norris. Carlos Sainz is available. You never know. They could go after him. He is a perfect second driver. I think they'd be confident that Max would be able to handle him. So there, this is definitely no guaranteed. But yeah, I think Paris is going to stay. The next one then, since I'm kind of giving away that I don't think Alex Albon will be going to Red Bull in 2025, let's talk about Williams. I think Albon stays. I think what they're saying is true. I think Williams is going to have a bit of a step forward again this year, and Alex is going to be fine with staying and, and building with that team. I think uh, things are sort of, sort of turning around there under vowels. I think a lot of the team members are really starting to uh, come together and, and you know maybe feel like they have a different place on the grid than where they've been for a long time. So by no means do I think Williams are a, are a, a title challenger and even the slight uh, the, the near to medium future if you want to call it um they're very very far away from that still but they're they're com- becoming a pretty solid midfield team again and i think uh the team is just excited about that prospect so i have albon staying but i have logan Sargent leaving the team and getting replaced by esteban ocon well, that would be a pretty interesting lineup right alex albon esteban ocon Two veterans and Williams, two guys that can definitely score points for them. And I think the thing with Ocom is this relationship with Gasly is still a little bit fake, in my opinion. And I think Alpine is going to stick with Gasly over him just based off of how last year went and the fact that he's just the more popular of the two French drivers. Um, I also think the Williams move is just because I don't think Esteban's going to have a ton of options and he's going to want to stay in Formula One. And as, and on the flip side, like Williams, I think would love to get a driver of his caliber. It's still sort of in that Mercedes family. I think it actually works out great. And it would be, it would be fantastic for Williams to have those two guys and not have uh, a Logan Sargent who, even if he is a little bit better this year, and I think he's going to improve slightly, 
I don't think it's going to be good enough, and Albon is still going to be relied upon to get most of the points for that team. If they have a guy like Ocon in there, I think they could be solid midfield fighters for a while, or at least always be at the the top end of that bottom fight. So a second good driver would be huge there, and that's kind of where I've gone. And uh, of course, where Ocon would like to go is Mercedes. He said himself that he is still affiliated with the team. But of course, I do not have him driving there. I have George Russell, who is a lock. And I have Kimi Antonelli. I, I, I am putting him there. I don't think it's going to be Fernando Alonso. I don't think it's going to be Carlos Sainz. I, it's obviously not going to be Alex Albon. I really think that Antonelli is going to have a great season of Formula 2. Whether he wins or not, they're still going to promote him just based off of his uh, unbelievable junior resume and all the hype that surrounds him. It's kind of a perfect storm where I don't think Mercedes is also going to be good enough to fight for the championship in 2025, but they'll still have a good car. It's a perfect one year of experience for Antonelli to just get in there, get his feet wet in Formula One, and then get ready for a huge pivotal season in 2026. And I think the performance of George Russell might also make Mercedes want to get Antonelli in the car. I think Russell's great. I think this year is again going to prove that he's maybe not quite at the caliber he needs to be to really challenge Max Verstappen. I would say Russell's a solid 8 out of 10 when, you know, they really need that 10 out of 10 to be able to challenge uh, probably the sport's best talent of all time, Max Verstappen. Maybe Antonelli is that guy. They have to find out sooner rather than later. Um, So that's kind of my thoughts on that. It would be crazy to see a 17, 18-year-old in that Mercedes seat right away. It's something we haven't seen since Max Verstappen. So it would be awesome to see those parallels. I think it very well might happen. If not, maybe Alonso, maybe Sainz. I think it's got to be between one of those two. So um, from there, though, if Ocon is gone from Alpine, who's driving there, right? So I still have Gasly staying with that team, but... I've gone for Valtteri Bottas, and I, I don't really love this pick. Um, I feel like most of you will probably agree and think, "What am I? What am I talking about?" But I, I kind of I put everyone else in the positions I think they're going to be in, and then I had Alpine still left over. So I guess you could argue, why not just keep Ocon then? Um, and, and why try to go over someone like Valtteri Bottas? Why not try a younger driver like Jack Dewan or, or, or you know, Victor Martens or something that they have within their their team? You know, Zhou Guan Yu even brings some like uh, uh, monetary value or sponsor value to the team. What does Valtteri bring? I kind of get it, but I think Valtteri is definitely going to get let go from stake as I do Zhou, and I'll get to them next after Alpine. I just. I don't think they're going to have a lot of options and they're going to just want the safest pair of hands. They're going to get rid of Ocon because I just think the dynamic between Gasly and Ocon's not going to not going to work and they want to shift all their kind of French might around Pierre. I think there's also a chance that Ocon is going to want out of Alpine because he's going to see the team start to shift around Pierre. So it, this is definitely a bold take and as I said, probably the least confident I am about any of the picks that I make. Um, but something I think's gotta gotta you know happen here for another driver to be the obvious choice because I don't think Joe's gonna show enough. I don't think Dewan has showed I don't think Dewan has showed enough. And 
I think they might just go for a veteran presence uh, for a stopgap and see if they can uh, get a young driver in eventually. I would love to see Martins in the car, but I, I don't think it will happen. Then let's go with Steak next, as I said. Um, this is a brand new lineup because, as I said, I don't think Joe or Valtteri is going to be here. I, I got Ricardo and Sainz. Yeah, Ricardo is definitely the bold one. I think Sainz is not that shocking. The rumors have been swirling around him going to this team, and the ties are obvious with his dad um, having a relationship with Audi. But I've gone a little wild with the Ricardo move. As I said, I just I don't think their young driver, Teo Percher, is going to get a shot with the team. They're going to want someone a little bit better than Valtteri or Joe. I don't think they're going to have a ton of options. Um, they're not going to need the, the money from Joe either. So they're going to go with um, someone a bit more commercial to try to get fans around the team. And I think a, a lineup of Ricardo and signs would be sort of box office. It'd be kind of sick to see those two drive for stake. And then for Audi, um, I really hope that does happen. But of course, um, this is a result of, RB or whatever, choosing to go with Yuki Sonoda over Ricardo because Lawson has promised a seat for next year. Of course, you'll see I, when I talk about them next that I do have Lawson in that seat alongside Yuki Sonoda. Um, so I, I've basically chosen that I don't think Ricardo is going to outperform Yuki. And probably boldly, I'm predicting that he stays on the grid though and he's still good enough. There's so much commercial value with Ricardo. So yeah, I have him going to stake. Then, of course, yes, Sonoda and Lawson I have at Toro Rosso. Uh, as I said, Lawson promised a seat. He gets it alongside Yuki. Kind of a boring pick, but um, I think that's going to be the case. Haas, kind of the last exciting one, if you even want to call it exciting. I have Hulkenberg staying. There was a bit of a a rumor going on that he was, or it wasn't even a rumor. It was an interview that Hulkenberg joked that he already had a contract through the end of 2025. The reporter that interviewed him reported it as fact. And then Hulkenberg called him out and was like, Hey, I was joking that I don't have that. Anyway, I do think Hulkenberg stays with the team. I think the team ditches K Meg. I think they're going to have to decide between one of them. You know, K Meg was, was, Gunther Steiner's friend. I know he's a friend of a lot of people with that team. They've he's been around a long time, of course. But Holkenberg's performances have just been better. So I think they stick with him and they bring in the obvious young driver, Ollie Behrman, the Ferrari uh junior, who could very well win Formula Two, go head to head with with Kimi Antonelli this year. That would be crazy. There's plenty of other great drivers on F2. It was actually uh or in F2 rather, it was actually one of the things I wanted to talk about in my what to expect episode and I forgot. Um, so if any of you guys have never checked out F2, this is the year to do it. It's going to be spectacular. There's so many great young drivers and you're going to see a phenom and Kimi Antonelli drive Formula 2 cars for the first time. Ollie Behrman in his second year in Formula 2 and so many other great drivers as well. I, I could list them off, you know, and I don't usually follow F2 that much. So yeah, check out F2 this year. It's going to be a banger. Um, and then the last team is Aston Martin and I've strolled in Alonso Stang. So that means if I think about it, Joe Guan Yu, Logan Sargent, Kevin Magnuson, those three drivers will be without a seat for next season. 
the other 17 will still be in Formula One, um, but with a fair few at new teams. Unless I'm forgetting someone, I think that's correct because the new drivers on this on this grid will be Behrman, Lawson, and Antonelli. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Those three in, and then, as I said, Joe Sargent, Magnuson are out. So that's going to do it for today's episode. But before we go, I am going to do the question of the week. It's going to be a, a, a new thing on every single episode. So the question for last week was, where would you like to see Carlos Sainz drive next year? And the featured answer that I've chosen from my Spotify listeners is from Siggy Korb, who says, a number of teams would benefit from having Carlos, but maybe Williams is the place to go. That, that's interesting. I feel like it would be cool to see Sainz go there. Um, I feel like it would have to be in place of Albon. Signs and Albon is way too good of a lineup for Williams. That would be insane. Um, I don't think Williams could pull that off. Um, I think the issue would be somehow Signs being on the outside looking in and not having anywhere to go. But I, I think it would be really cool to see him there. Um, unless Williams has like a mega year and they somehow look like an interesting place to go. I don't, I don't really know if I could see Signs going there. So I think he has to be sort of left out of the equation for him to end up at a place like Williams, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just my Williams fandom speaking, but I do really like that shout. And uh, yeah, if you want to be featured on Break Bias with your answer, add a little bit of flair. Uh, I had a few people, and this is my own fault. You know, just, just comment, just the team name. You're more likely to get on the episode if you you make your answer kind of exciting. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. But anyway, as for this week's Spotify question, it's. How much do you care about liveries? I am really curious about this one because personally, it's not something that really gets me going or gets me excited. I, I always look at the car launches and I try to listen to uh, some of what the team members are saying about their cars and stuff because honestly, that interests me more than what the cars look like. But I always go and check out just to see what what's the grid going to look like this year. It does matter a little bit, but after seeing what they look like, it's kind of a, a non-story for me and, and people that get all worked up about bad liveries is just, it, it's not something that matters to me that much, but I'm curious to hear maybe, you know, why it matters to you, why you love seeing a colorful grid or how it enhances the viewing experience for you. If you do care, or if you're in my boat and you, it's not really something you care about either. So yeah, that'll be the question for this uh, week's episode. Make sure to answer to get featured. Um, so yeah, and, and that's only for Spotify listeners. I know I said that already, but just reiterating that. So I apologize if you're on Samsung or, or Apple or any of the other platforms, you can find this podcast. You won't be able to answer the question that way. But, um, if you're on YouTube, I guess the question's not going to be listed like on Spotify, but feel free to, uh, to, you know, send your answer in the comments and I'll, I'll see them there as well. So that will do it for episode 85 of Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I'll be back next Monday for the last of the car launches. In fact, a lot of you will probably have already seen the Ferrari. As, as I said, I record this on Monday. Ferrari launches on Tuesday, but it's also going to be preseason prediction time. So, goodbye. <laughs>